Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 135. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by Joshua Howard and Andrew Best of Vish to chat about color waste, certainly a big issue in the industry, and strategies to prevent your profits from pouring down the drain. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. So I think for anyone that's listened to, I'd say even the last 10 episodes, you're probably aware right now that uh, we're kind of eco-friendly or environmentally conscious ourselves here at Forest. From little changes, introducing cans, you know, like your drink cans, recycling those, compost bins, right up to now installing solar panels, which yes, even in Ireland, we do get enough kind of daylight to uh, <laughs> to power our building. But one example, actually, you were saying just when we were off air was flicking off the switches. Everyone in this office seemed to be trained now to flick off switches when they're walking around. So much so that we were doing a recording, uh, a podcast with Ronan one day. Yeah. And then someone just came along and turned off the lights from outside. So we just kind of had to sit there in silence because we we're already live recording. But um, yeah, so environmental ramble aside, it brings us to fish because not only do our guests focus on precision mixing of colors in the salons, but it's also a huge step for anyone that wants to make their business that little bit more sustainable. I mean, running a salon and a successful one at that is tough enough as it is. Color waste is often an issue in hairdressing salons. So Vish is very focused on that particularly, and uh, we'll be hearing a lot more about that today. So without further ado, Vish, who Forrest is proud of working with as an integrated partner, is a color business management software company based out of Toronto in Canada. And the company was created to help salon owners and colorists solve the problems facing the hair color industry. Uh, And like I said, the guys will be telling you all about that shortly enough. Josh, Andrew, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, guys. Good morning. Good morning, yeah. Great to be here. Um, Am I right in saying that, uh, Zoe, you and Andrew actually just live down the road from each other? Yeah, we do, we do. (laughs) So even though all four of us are online, you guys may as well just popped into a coffee shop together to do this. (laughs) Yeah, we bump into each other every now and again. Uh, He's actually seen me coming back from grocery shopping in uh, my typical hoodie and a sweatpants attire. So So that's the level we're at with our guests now. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, I suppose to stop Andrew going any redder. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, guys, when we were preparing for this interview, we came across one of your ebooks, uh, Stop the Insanity Strategies to Stop Throwing Away Your Money Through Waste and Discounts. I didn't memorize that title at all. That's here in front of me. But I want to test your knowledge on your ebook. Um, you listed hair color waste and not charging for all color services and treatments as two fundamental challenges for the hair and color industry. Can you elaborate on these challenges a little bit more, like kind of what impact are they having on hair salons or even on the environment at all? Certainly. Well, when we first came out with this technology, we made some estimations just on doing some brief research in the industry. We we estimated there's about 20% of the hair color was being poured down the drain or recycled. Um, That number is actually quite larger than that, but 25 to 40%. And it's from a number of ways. Um, You know, stylists are incredibly busy. These formulations can be quite complicated and they're driven by speed, not efficiency. So oftentimes they're mixing color, they're slammed, they get guest after guest lined up in their books. So they're over mixing to ensure that they're not running out for their guest. So they can apply and they take the, you know, take the bowl of color, they throw it, throw it in the sink, move on, or they, you know, recycle it or throw it. Most of it ends up down the sink is the most common source, which is terrible for the environment. 
it's just but the overmixing um, is something that's widespread across the entire industry, and it's it's mostly driven by speed. So that's the one problem. This you know the hair color waste, but then the not charging for all the services. There's a couple of things to contribute to that. Um, once again, speed is a, is a factor. Stylists simply get too busy and they forget forget to update the front desk. But you also have consumer behavior, right? It's like with a lot of online booking or customers calling in to book, they're driven by price. Obviously, if you had to pick, it's like I can go to the salon. You can see, I can pick for a mini highlight. It's sixty dollars, but realistically, I want a full highlight and a toner, which is one hundred and fifty dollars. So there needs to be some sort of an update. Every salon has some method of doing it, whether they update in the software itself or they write it down on a piece of paper and they give it to the front desk if the service changed or they verbally communicate. Every salon has a system. It's just a broken system. You're relying on the stylist to update the front desk. And if you've been in a salon, they're incredibly busy. And there's also the stylist behavior, right? Like they have the guests in their chair week after, you know, every six weeks over you know, a long period of time. They form personal relationships with style with their customers. They're people pleasers, right? They're like therapists. They're there making sure you know, their guest has a bad day. And then oftentimes like, yeah, you know what, don't worry about that toner today. Or you know what, I don't worry. You know, they just they're very empathetic for whatever people. reason discount their they're like you said, they're empathetic people and they discount their they discount their work for sometimes no reason at all. They're essentially discounting without even realizing they're discounting by just kind of undercutting there. 100%. Just kind of on the very first point you, you said there, you were saying 25 to 45% of color is wasted. That's an insane amount of profits going down the drain. But do you reckon that most salons are aware they're wasting that much? Every salon we speak to, and I don't really do the, the demos anymore, but I used to do a lot of the sales demos and speak to a lot of salon owners, whether that was in the field or through like a, a webinar or at a trade show. And they know it's a problem. They don't know the size of the problem. And the only method I've ever heard of is we call it the bucket method, where they take a bucket and they put it on a color bar and they get their stylist to throw all their waste in. And at the end of the week, they're like, yeah, that's a lot of waste, right? <laughs> but there's no real way to mitigate the waste. So they can they understand the size of the problem. And that's why when we say go to our salon owners, like, hey, we got a solution. They're like, really? Amazing. I want this. So the salon owners get it right away. The stylists understand it as well. But it's just basically they've they've adapted. They've, they're running a business assuming they're throwing away 30% or 25 to 40% of their inventory. And I always make the comparison because they, they, it's been, you know, it's been going on since the start of doing hair color, which is, you know, as well, over 100 years old, right? So the industry, but we, we make the comparisons. Like, can you imagine taking your retail and stocking your shelves and say, okay, can I put two boxes on the shelf? Okay, one box out the door, two boxes on the shelf. I mean, it would be pure insanity, right? And that was the, the title of that, of that first ebook. It's just there hasn't been a method to mitigate it. You've got, you know, whether it's two or 40 stylists in your salon pulling from a very expensive inventory with no insight and you're, they're driven by speed. So I think it's just something that they've kind of adapted and just assumed that they're going to throw away a bunch of their inventory. Just bad habits. It's what they're used to. Bad systems, right? No one wants to throw it away. It's just like, well, what am I going to do? Break out a calculator? Be okay. This person came in last time. 
what do they what do they throw away? It's just it's not realistic given the uh, the demands on the stylist on a day to day basis. So what if you were to put actual numbers on that, like say money, so pounds, dollars, whatever that was, what would that look like in a month or a year's time? It really, really varies. So what we look at, like the typical salon in, in North America, I mean, that was our kickoff and obviously we're expanding to the UK right now, but say your six chair salon between the services being given away and the color going down the drain, it's anywhere to fifty to $70,000 in profit at the end of the year directly on the bottom line because the color's already been out of the tube. The style, you already spent your money on marketing and your front desk and all your fixed costs are spent. It is pure profit that's going down the drain. That's insane. No pun intended <laughs> with the yeah, yeah, title, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Are there any knock-on effects to this, like kind of without jumping into any solutions or anything? Like, obviously, it's profit you're pouring down the drain, but kind of what other effects does this have on your business by throwing out so much color? Well, on the business itself, um, it's very stressful for the owners um, of just, you know, trying to, it's a cultural thing, right? You have an owner walking by the sink and saying, like, guys, you know, this isn't an industry that, like, the salon owners are driving around. I mean, maybe some, but they're not driving around in Ferraris and, like, you know, they're not making tons of cash. They're trying, they're struggling to pay payroll and they're throwing away that and they're going to their staff like guys stop throwing away the inventory and the staff like I'm busy what do you want from me you're not putting a solution in place so it's a it's a tension between the stylist and the owner they all understand it but there's just no way to mitigate the problem and is it a case of genuinely just not having time to do it correctly or does it go back to what you said in the last question where it's kind of bad system or bad habits? Like, which would you blame more? I blame it on just the, there's just no solution. And like, basically they go off averages, right? They just go single process or a root retouch takes 40 grams of color or two ounces of color, right? And they, that's your starting point. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, because, you know, with different color lines, um, you know, you could have two to 10 ingredients in them and they do, they, you know, one thing when I came into this industry, I found was there's a tremendous amount of education in this industry. They're always going out and like refining their craft, but the manufacturers, like they take their best guess. They say, well, on average, you should use 40 grams of color. But what we find is that a lot of people only need 28 grams of color to start, right? So the starting point just sets them up for failure. And so that's one is they're starting with the incorrect amount, but say if they need more color, they're wasting their time because what they need to do is go back to the color bar and mix. But you, you just applied color to three quarters of the head and you need another 25% of the hair color. But then you're like, ah, well, I don't want to mess the color up. So I'm going to mix that same formula again. So then now you're doing 80 grams of color when you needed 50 grams of color. So it's just, it's speed, it's the complexity, and it's ensuring that it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the guest experience, right? You need that guest to come back and you need consistent results. They're not going to risk wasting three or $4 worth of product, or sorry, not going to risk the customer walking away unhappy, which is the bigger number. They'll just say, you know what, I'll over mix and throw it away. Now that on, the, on that one-to-one basis, that is the smarter thing to do. I'm not going to risk $100 over three. But if you're doing anywhere from 200 to 2,000 services a month in your salon, that $3 adds up to a tremendous amount of money at the end of the year. 
See, that's where I would have had the other perspective to it because we talk about client experience a lot and most of the time you go to a salon for the experience, you might go to them 10 times, 9 out of 10, it could be great. That 10th one could be a bad one, but because of the experience, you're still going to go back. So when we were talking about minimizing waste, instantly in my head it would have been, is that not going to affect the client experience? Because now you're more worried about your portion controls over what's right for the client. But it actually seems like by having even stricter portion controls actually works out better for the client because now you're spending less back and forward time to the color bar. Yeah, so one thing I want to, like, it was very important, and this hopefully has come out as too salesy, is we're not about portion control. We're about customization. Everybody writes the formula down for a reason. We make sure that that guest has the exact formulation that they need to one-tenth of a gram and the exact amount they used, right? So it's not about, oh, you can only use this. It's like, no, this is what you used last time. Your guest comes in every six weeks. Chances are you're going to need this exact amount. But our, our system is completely open the stylist always has the ability to be creative. They can say, you know what? And, and like, you know, just because you use it last time doesn't mean you're going to use it this time. If they're going from a dark to, a, to a, a very light blonde, that's not a one-step process. So it's about you know, just making record keeping better and, and understanding what you've used. It, it's not a, you know, they all write this down on pen and paper now. They upload it into Forest. So there's various methods of how they record them but what we find is it's flawed because most of the time it's after the fact. They do the guess and they go, what was that formula? I write it down. And was it like 40 grams of natural series? And I work with a lot of Aveda salons and like, you know, a gram and a half of a pure tone and another gram and a half of another pure tone. And then you're, and then you're um, developer. So when, when, they, when they write it down afterwards is 40, one and a half, one and a half, 40, when it could have been 42, 1.8, 1.6 and 40, like, it's understanding if you're if you're mixing up the tones, you're going to throw off the color. So it's just it's just better record keeping and making it easier. I mean, salon stylists are professionals, right? Just like any other profession. Why are they writing things down on pen and paper? It's 2019. I know that a lot of people are taking on Vish at the moment. How do you find the reaction has been from your side? Like, I know that tech is often takes a little longer to adopt, especially in this industry. We're seeing a lot more tech coming in, though, and people are really happy about that. How, how's the reaction been from your perspective? I, I think it's not unique to this industry. When I was in university, I was a bank teller. And we went from, and this was, you know, wasn't you know, long, longer ago than I would love to think, but it's, we went from, and from MS-DOS to a Windows-based system, and it was one of the major banks in Canada. And, like, I was in 20 years old and I hadn't seen MS-DOS before. I mean, that was 25 years old plus, right? But people were like, oh, this is, this is insane versus they were typing these commands in versus they could click and do their job. So I think it's just, people don't like change, especially if it's to do with their workflow. Most of the time, it's a barrier of perception of how difficult it is. So of course there's challenges. Of course we've tripped up and we've had salons that like, you know what, this isn't for us or we didn't roll out properly. But the majority of people understand the need and we have different ways to kind of um, to facilitate our technology and their culture. The last thing we want to do is go into a salon and tell them how to do it. We work with the salon owners, management, stylists, and like, how do you want to roll this out? I've had salons where I've gone in personally when we were early stage where the owner was like, they had a really you know tight knit management. They went took the old skills, threw them away. Like, here are the new scales. Here's an educator. We're doing this. 
I've had some one of the most successful salons in North America um, say, you know what, we're going to roll this out over six months. I'm going to use two people and then I'm going to onboard two more people and then two more people and slowly integrate it into the culture. So it's really important to understand the salon owner's management style and then craft an approach to, you know, make them want to use the system. One perception that we want to break is the idea that this is a policing system. It's not. It's a tool to help the stylist. It's there to save time and make more money. And also, I mean, the environmental story is nice. <laughs> we definitely like that. But what we find is it's a secondary benefit. People need to make money and make their lives easier before they worry about the environment. I know that's not the warm and fuzzy story that everybody likes, but it's just people really need to make money. And if it's, if it's difficult and stopping, it's impeding their day-to-day workflow, it's not going to work. So when we hire um, colorists, when we hire educators, we don't look for tech educators. We look for people with hair color education experience. And that has been very successful in rolling this out. That's exactly the same setup that we have here. Our forest educators all come from the industry because like that, like talking to someone in support and talking to someone who's going to teach you, it's they're just two different languages. The support's usually the feature, the functional, the kind of the tech side of it. Like how does it actually work from a system point of view? And then the educators, how would you like it to work? And then we can kind of amend it to there. So like that process is a great process to adopt for companies. And this is a bit cheesy. I know like that Simon Sinek, the why everybody kind of uses it, but we really try to tell, you know, get the stylist on board on day one that a part of our onboarding is like, this is, this is going to make your life easier. This is why it's important. It's not a system of how to use it. And, you know, I can teach, if you know how to use a smartphone and you know how to mix color, you can figure it out on your own. We really focus on the stylist. Get them to really feel important on like, you know, this is the tool that you need and here's why you should use it. And that's been pretty effective for us. And I think too, just to add to that, you know, we have our sort of learning cycle with, with colorists and stylists. And, and again, when you introduce something new that requires change, uh, there's a little resistance. Uh, but what we find is that once they, once they are working with us for 30 to 45 days, they see their guests come back. Um, they, they love us after that. So at first they resist. It's something new. Um, not everyone. Some people take it right away and love it. Um, you know, some people are, are just like, Oh, this is new. It's, it's a bit of a change. Um, but without, you know, without exception, once they do cross that threshold, uh, they really enjoy using the system. So how does the system work? Say I'm a stylist, a colorist. I go behind the color bar and this is newly installed in the salon. How do I go about this? So especially with the, our, our focus is, like I said, on, the, on that interaction. Very, very simple, especially with, the, you know, when we're integrated with software partners like Forest, that Forest feeds the information to the day. Stylist goes to the iPad, log in, their schedule is there, they click on the client's name, and they click on the service, they pick their ingredients, and then they mix. So it's about 10 seconds to get going. We lay out the user interface the same way that the manufacturers lay out the color charts, so it's, they, they recognize the layout. That's, that's the most difficult part, but as Andrew said, after those guests start to return, it's two clicks. Client name, formula, mix. Now they can still change the formula, customize, leave notes, but it's meant to mimic their current workflow. And I don't know if you spent much time on a color bar, but usually it's grab the formula from somewhere, whether that's a the paper, that's a digital travel, the paper traveler for the day, 
or they're looking at a computer screen or they're looking at a phone app with the formula, they're grabbing their ingredients, they're mixing them on a kitchen scale. They're, instead of pressing zero on the scale, they're just clicking the ingredient on the iPad. So we have a UX designer that actually goes on site that looks at the workflow and just mimics it. Um, it's pretty simple. One thing we focus on is speed and consistency. And the only behavioral change that I would say that some that we've had a little bit of pushback, but people get it, is we reweigh the waste at the end of the session. So then that waste is deducted from future formulas. So that's, that's one step that we add in, but we take away about six steps of the, of the stylus day. What I actually love there at the start is that you're saying the interface is very similar to what they're using already because I was actually just reading, uh, it was like, I think it was like designed for pilots or something, it was some blog earlier, but it was saying it's like, don't reinvent the wheel. If people do something this way, try and replicate that by bringing it over. So for your app to get that engagement, it's it's what you've always been doing, it's just digital and more accurate. 100%. So have you guys identified what the aha moment about using your product is? Like you were saying, you've kind of gone out and you've done this with one or two clients. What's that reaction like when they realize, the like, oh my God, I can do this through fish as opposed to doing this manually? So the first aha moment is for, well, from like the, you know, the younger people, you know, just seeing their formula digitally. And we've got a beautiful interface that like, oh, that's awesome. But the true aha moment for all stylists, regardless of experience level, is the scenario when they mix color and they got to go back and get a little bit more. And it could have two to 10 to whatever ingredients in it. And we just say adjust. They pick how much they want and it does the math oh. for them. That's like, oh my God, that's going to save me so much time. Yeah. Or yeah, it's I, like, I just did it. <laughs> yeah. But I was in a salon where uh, one of my first salons that I, that I work with, um, who are like one of our champion salons, they're, they're incredible. I can talk to their data a little bit later. There was just two scenarios actually. One was a salon, a stylist was mixing, mixing color, applied it to the guest, needed more, messed up the formula, came back, was like, oh my God. Her hair is turning different, the wrong color. How do I fix that? She then was mixed like four bowls of colors to try to get that back to the same point again. And it was very stressful. The client probably had no idea what was going on, why she kept on getting different bowls of color applied. There was a tremendous amount of waste. And it could have been just avoided if they, if they had the proper records from the start. So that's one scenario. And then another one when I was actually, I, our system wasn't in place yet. And a, this was a little bit of a different scenario, but the salon owner was, um, was there with me. And the stylist, and this goes to, ties into the point of having the right amount in the first place or tying the formula together. But the stylist runs back to another one, sticks her hands out and like, oh my God, I need more color. I need to apply it right now. And another stylist grabbed the tube of color, squeezed it in her hands and she runs back out. And I looked at the owner and I'm like, do you need our system? And so, and she was like, "Yeah, yeah. How much does it cost?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, if you're squeezing color out of the tube into into a stylist's hands, you know there's going to be waste. Yeah. So, like the aha moment for the stylist, it really goes down to the fact of like if if they need more, it's there, and they really like that. And then when I show them that they reweigh the waste and they come back, so the first aha moment is just being able to pick and choose what they exactly what they need. And then the second aha moment is, okay, cool, that guest now returns. You don't need to build the formula. It's there, and it lets them know that 
the exact amount. So whether it was 28 grams or 62 grams, they get the amount of color they need in the first shot. So it saves them time. They don't have to do the math. Not that they can't do it. It's just no one wants to take the time and actually figure out what is 10% of six parts of this. It just makes it easier for them. Yeah, I mean, we all have cell phones now. I don't calculate anything. Even the simplest math, I pick up my phone and, you know, grab the calculator. <laughs> I remember my childhood best friend's um, phone number, but I tell you, I could not tell you my fiance's phone number. Right? It's just <laughs> yeah, like I- we just don't use our brains like that anymore. Anyone that got a phone 10 years ago, yet yeah, they're all logged up here, but yeah, brand new numbers. But I, I think find, what I find funniest about that is I'm pretty sure all of us have had a teacher at some stage that said, you won't always have a calculator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'd say that phrase is Do well they still teach bit. timetables in school now? Is that still the thing? We have to memorize that? I don't know. They've changed it to like maths applied or something like that. I, well, in Ireland, it's going to be completely different over there anyway, but... Yeah, it's project maths or whatever that even means. I'll let you use your own kind of uh, imagination there. (laughs) But guys, yeah, I just kind of, um, like, obviously it's quite a pain point that you're solving and just kind of hearing that frustration where someone's colour is changing and the stylist is running around panicking and then kind of squeezing out the tubes. Have you ever received any heartwarming stories back from clients since using Vish? Well, so there was one, I was actually at a conference this weekend. It was a strategies conference. So like they're a really cool company that, you know, really works with numbers to help salon owners um, run their businesses more effectively. But one of their coaches actually owns a salon and they were one of our early adopters. Um, and, you know, they ran a successful salon, but they were using, for one example, she was going through like six, there was an Aveda salon there. We went through six tubs of enlightenment per week. And they got that down to two, doing the same amount of clients. So that's a tremendous amount of savings. And that's just like- In a week? One, yeah, not like it took them, a t- took them a time, but they went, every week they went through six tubs. Now they go through two tubs. Um, so I'm not going to contribute to like, you know, we were a portion of it, but you know, they just opened up their second location. And I was talking to one of the owners and they said like, you know, like part of the savings that we had from Vish, and they owned a salon for over 10 years, but when they started using us, and like I said, we were a portion of their success. I'm not going to take credit for it. But I'm here to say, you know, part of the money we saved from Vish, we got to open a second location. We can manage our business more effectively so we could open up a second location. So hearing stories like that is just like, wow, like we are, we're really making an impact. And um, I hear heartwarming stories all the time. Like one of our, our early adopters are the ones that we were, we've been out there for, you know, just over a year with our current build. Um, almost two years now, actually, but they speak with owners and like, they text me all the time and just say like, listen, we really appreciate you guys. We know how much you care. We're always there for them. And just like, you've made such a big impact of profitability. I mean, salons are operating on razor thin margins and, you know, putting that kind of money on their bottom line is huge. And it's not like they're taking this money and going out and like, cool, I just made another 70 grand. I'm going to go spend it on renovations for my house. They're going to take the money and reinvest in their staff, reinvest in the infrastructure, grow their business, allow them to get, to remove themselves from behind the chair. I mean, that is like the, you know, the elusive white rhino or whatever with the, uh, in the salon industry is, you know, in order for a salon to be truly successful, the, Salon owner has to get away from behind the chair. They need to start focusing on growing their business from 
a lot of them, unfortunately, they can't because they need to be that top earner. So anything that we can do to help them get there faster is a win for us. And we've got a, you know, a bunch of success stories that, that we've certainly uh, made that impact. Yeah, and I think the heartwarming stories for us, and, and it just goes back to our core. I mean, ultimately, we were created to help. And to Josh's point, you know, these salon owners are, you know, they're, they're working their butts off. Uh, they're extremely busy. And at the end of the day, to have these razor thin margins, to have, you know, to sort of, we, we joke around and we say, you know, with the information that's currently out there, a lot of times they really, at the end of the year, go to their accountant, cross their fingers and hope that there's money left over. You know, so the idea that we're able to help them, uh, you know, reward them for their efforts, uh, give them a system that helps manage their business and, and ensure profitability, um, you know, that means a lot to us. Um, you know, I, I hate see, seeing somebody work work as hard as they do and not get to reap the benefits of their efforts. So it, it's nice when we hear these stories come back to us because really that's why we were created. Just to add on to Andrew's point there, we had a company retreat last week. We all got together and we tried to try to figure out like why is we were trying to figure out like what's our culture, right? And we all kind of went around the table. I mean, Andrew doesn't come from this industry, and nor do I. Like I originally came on board to help my brother help him help him grow grow this idea. And then Andrew, like, you know, came and was like, you know, and Josh needed help. He had a lot. Andrew's a serial entrepreneur. Had a lot of business experience. Like, I want to help him. And like, yeah, we, we all want to help the salon industry. And that's why, like, it kind of goes down. Like, I presume the weekends. Like, do you have contracts? Like, no, we don't sign our salons. And if they don't want to use it, don't use it. We're here to help. And I think that that's to our core beliefs that we really want to help salon owners. And I won't ramble on too much longer. But to further to Andrew's point, working eight to ten hours a day on your feet six days a week and then not turn a profit at the end of the year is something that is pretty unique to this industry you don't see that in other industries and to that point ashley tulliver williams who's going to speak at our next salon owner summit roadshow in philadelphia was just saying a couple weeks ago on the podcast that seven out of ten hair and beauty businesses operate at a loss which is crazy when you think about it it's more than 50 percent so i'm curious you mentioned success stories would you have any handy enough to share with us now um it's pretty consistent across everybody in our network that adopts our technology um specifically to the data what we typically see a cost per application in north america or the united states um ranges from like six to ten dollars per application and that is taking all of their applications and lumping them into one and then looking at the revenue generated and that's how they kind of do it. Um, but you know, I, I, there's one salon that I'm working with in Virginia that their cost per application went from $7 and 50 cents down to $4 per application and they do a thousand services a month, just $3,500 in hair color, just this raw product costs. Um, so that's one. And then, you know, another, like some more, so that's consistent. I mean, it's, it's no brainer. I can show you a hundred salons with that story. But we're actually getting information that, and this is harder to measure, but client satisfaction is increasing. Like I mentioned earlier, everybody records formulas for a reason, right? We're nailing them to one-tenth of a grand. So if you're super light blondes or your vibrant reds, guests are coming back to the salon owners and saying, I don't know what you're doing differently, but you're nailing my color every time. The client formulas are being nailed every time and, and guests, guests are certainly noticing. Sorry, I'm, I, Siri distracted me with my point, but how often, or, you know, I've known so many people, so many women, especially that come home after getting their hair done and they're upset. 
because it's not the same. So, well, you went to the same place. You went to the same person. You have the same hair and you had the same product applied and you had a different result. Can you imagine going to a restaurant and getting that? Your favorite meal? And everywhere it's like, man, that steak is good today. They cooked the crap out of it today, like next week. Like you wouldn't go back. But we, but, but it's too inconsistent. And like this idea, and like I've heard so many, like, oh, uh, must be a water at home. Or it's like these different sort of things that people make up. And sure, hard water can have an impact on hair. But most of the time, it's their pain. It's an inconsistent, um, inconsistent result because of poor record keeping. And then there's the inconsistent pricing too. They had, you know, they get a toner every time, but sometimes they pay for it. Sometimes they didn't pay for it for walking. I'm like, why was that forty dollars more expensive? So there's just an unnecessary amount of redos, which are costly, and turnover. Both of those are avoided. And I think too another another uh, success story. And again, you know, the particular salon when we were able to provide them uh, information, and this is very new information when we talk cost per service and application, you know, right now it's a, you know, service revenue compared to money spent on color and, and it's a big average. And, you know, we were able to work with one salon owner and break down um, their, each individual service. And it came out at one point that they were losing money when they were applying toners and they had no idea. And the, the information wasn't available to them before to understand that. And so we were able to show them that information. They made a small adjustment in price. Um, so again, it's not a big burden for the customer either. And again, they turned an unprofitable service into pure profit just by making a small adjustment. In one month, they, they went from losing money on toners in January and February. They made an additional $3,500 in profit off that one service. And was it because they weren't charging the toner? Well, the, the basic, no, they were charging for it, but what manufacturers have done, because it was the only information that they had, was they, you know, they give you benchmarks. So we really work close with a lot of beta salons, and, the, and we came from that world and, and when we are beta in this project. But they all operate on, they want to hit 6%. Their product cost would be 6% of total service sales. So if they stay within that, that margin, then they're profitable. But when I actually pulled this out and looked at individual service, like you're making money off your bleaching powder and your enlightening powder, mm-hmm. so your balayage and your highlights, your, your cost per application is about 2% of your total service revenue. You start getting into your, you know, your vibrant colors, which you see a lot now. I was at the BTC show a little while ago where people with pinks and purples and greens. Everybody has a new vibrant line coming out. Your glosses, your your anything creative, your all over colors. You, well, your your product cost is like 29, 30, 30 plus percent of what you're charging. By the time you back out the commission or your salary, there's nothing left. And you throw your fixed cost on top of that. Well, I said to this when I told them to increase the price of their glossing. I'm like, every I mean, look around. Every time you were seeing a glossing applied, you're paying for that. The customer isn't. Like, what do you mean? I'm going to show them the data. And then they made that small tweak. So, you, you know, up until now, the entire industry is like, well, I need to make more money, so I need to increase all my prices. Versus, like, let's look at where we're making great money on. Let's look at where the money's leaking out the door. And let's flatten it. So our goal is to make sure that prop, no matter what service is being applied in the salon, your profit margin should be the same. It's not an overnight thing. We do it all based on data. So we don't change anything until the salon owner is ready. We put the system in place. We train the staff. We get them excited. 
And then over a period of time, so after the first 30 days I review their data with them, and after the next 60 days, we review their data again. And we have different strategies, and I won't get into the, you know, the finite detail, but we have different strategies to balance out that profitability for all their services. And it's quite easy once you have the information. It's just capturing that data is really important. So what is the product itself like? Like if I wanted to start using Vish, how accessible is it for me to get up and running? I know you were saying that you'll kind of spend through 30 days with them. Is it an app you download? Is it a site you use? It integrates to Forest as well. So how, how does this work as a salon owner looking to introduce this? It's pretty simple. Um, we have an app in the App Store. So just download that. But you need to get set up with us. We have a proprietary scale that they need to purchase from us. So we ship them in the scale. It usually happens in the first, we can get that to them in a couple of days. And then we also set everything up in the back end. So Forest is super easy. They send us an email. We communicate with Forest. They press the button. Our systems talk to each other. Not a lot of, not a lot of um, input from the salon owner required. And then we just discuss a training strategy. Um, and then it takes, like I said in the beginning of the call, it takes a, a a variety of period of times to get ramped up depending on the, on the salon's culture. Um, but it happens very quickly and we take all of the onus on onboarding. We don't put it on the salon owner because they're busy enough. We don't offer them a solution by creating a bigger problem, right? So it's like they do a demo with us. Usually one demo is enough for them to understand. They make the purchase online. We ship everything to them. We get them up and running. And like I said, a variety of time, but very, very simple. So the company is based out of Toronto. Obviously, you've expanded into the U.S. already. What are the plans for next year, I suppose? So before Andrew goes ahead, I think you should acknowledge that we're also in Montreal, seeing how it's down the street from you. (laughs) (laughs) We basically started in Montreal. I live in Toronto, so we basically spanned out here. So, you know, our development team lives in Montreal. Our customer success lives in Toronto. Um, Yeah, no. So, yeah, we're based here um, between Toronto and Montreal. Um, Our initial focus has been in the U.S. market. That's where uh, the majority of our our customer base is right now. Um, And now we've just recently added some new resources in the U.K. Um, So we'll be focusing quite a bit on that market as we look to sort of, again, leverage our relationship with with Forest and the the integration we have there, because I know you guys have a great footprint there. And and they're just really very similar markets. I think between Canada, US and the UK, uh, there's a lot of synergies and as well as the Australian market. Um, so we do have s- several customers in Australia and New Zealand. Um, so I think, uh, you know, as we move forward, we'll probably look look to establish more presence in those markets as well. Uh, right now, it's just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll stay up till 2 a.m., 3 a.m. so we can make sure we, we can chat <laughs> to these folks at a reasonable hour for them. Um, but yeah, no, it's quite exciting. And I, I think there's a, a, a quite a bit of opportunity for us uh, throughout Europe, um, throughout the Middle East, um, you know, looking into Asia as well. So right now, we, you know, we have a, a, a wonderful solution for a universal problem. Um, so we're really looking to go out there and, and, and help whoever we can. And as of last week, we just just expanded to Jamaica as well. So what? I'm, I'm really gonna head up the I'm gonna head up the onboarding in the winter months here and get out hitting of my roots here. You want to bring me <laughs> with you? I've never you been know, to Jamaica. Um, it's in my roots. <laughs> yeah, um, anything to escape the Canadian winter. I'm, yeah, I'm, I know, I'm right? Yeah. and it's coming soon. Yeah, it's coming. Well, it's still it's still 30 degrees Celsius here. So 30. Uh, it's like 16 over yeah. here today. <laughs> yeah. So no, our, our January expansion is going to focus on tropical markets. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I mean, I think, yeah. you know, we're just excited about our integration with Forrest and, uh, you know, how that's working. And, and right now, just to, to let the listeners know, um, you know, with the Forrest integration, the initial piece that we have, we pull information from the system. Um, so they talk to each other. So it makes the setup quite simple. Um, and, it, you know, it certainly helps the stylists as they approach their, their schedules already in our system. Um, so that works well. And then we're also looking forward to sort of that future integration piece where we can push some information back into for a system. I mean, we want salon owners to manage their business in one place. And most times that's their POS system. And from there, our focus will always be to try and do the best we can to innovate at the color bar. That's awesome, guys. Uh, if anyone wants to follow you guys on social media, what are your handles? Do you have anything quick and handy to throw out? Yeah, at Vish Salons. Perfect. So we'll put all the links anyways in today's episode's notes and we'll share some articles that have been published on Salon Today and BTC. Thank you for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right. We'll see you across the street, Zoe. Yes. And in Philly, coming soon. All right. <laughs> all right. And Dublin, anyone? Dublin? Yes. No? <laughs> I, was, I was just in Dublin, so I, and I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back. It's a great, great city. Next spring or summer, you'll see there. I left Newfoundland a long time ago to avoid the rangers or fog. I do not vacation there. <laughs> That's uh, a fair yeah, point. Yeah, I can't argue with that. All right. Thanks so much, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Thinking of switching salon software companies but fear the migration process? How long will it take? What happens to my staff and clients' details or my roster? Look, when you sign up for Forest Salon Software, it's our mission to transfer your data from your previous provider smoothly and safely onto your new one, us. Manage, market, and grow your business with Forest Salon Software. Visit forest.com for more details. So that was CEO Joshua Howard and COO Andrew Best of Fish. And it was, it was, first off, it was great to actually have an integrated partner on the show. We haven't actually done that to date. No, well, because we haven't had a lot of integrated partners. Watch so this space. This is, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what I thought was really interesting was, and I couldn't get over, I know it was like one of the first things they said, but I was shocked then and I'm still shocked that most hair salons are throwing away a quarter to a half of their profits. You know, 25 to 40%. Throwing it down the sink and not even noticing. It's great to see the guys are really addressing a pain point there and seem to have quite a good solution. So that's that's worth checking out. And we have the contact details for Fish in the blurb of this episode. So what do we have on our Inside Forest segment? So Forest Academy is our online learning portal. It's full of fun, interactive, and bite-sized self-taught training courses. So it's kind of like um, like a lot of software companies you go to, you kind of have academies to teach you how to use the products. We offer live training, and this is the first time that we've started introducing self-taught. So if you have a big team of staff, it's going to be very hard to get one-on-one training or online training with a lot of those um, team members. So with this, they can download the app or they can just log into any laptop or PC, and they can actually teach themselves how to use each and every area of Forest in their own time, which is great. Uh, courses that we have up there at the moment are the Get Started with Forest series. That's the first one that everyone should do if you're only brand new to Forest. It shows you how to like book appointments, edit appointments, pay through clients. But moving on from there, we have the Complete Products and Inventory series, the Forest Pay Device, the Forest Go App series, Tree Card, Grow Your Business, 
Forest Memberships and the Salon Branded app. But we have a very new course just added this week. And this is a part of a big series. So a lot of our clients will have noticed that we don't have an essential management series up there at the moment. That's covering like your business setup or your system management, payroll reports, things like those. So what we've done is we've decided to break this into three areas, which I've actually just gone and named. But the first one that we're launching is the very first essential management one, which is the business setup. So the series is for salon owners, managers and front of house or anyone that's involved in managing your salon staff and business. And the business setup one is the first of three essential management series. So what can you expect from the business setup? Basically, you'll learn how to add and edit staff profiles and their qualifications, set staff rosters, the appointment calendar and online booking settings, assign staff categories, pins, access levels and commission structures, and finally, monitor staff and finance reports. So it's got everything in there that you need to actually manage your business. So it's worth checking out that course. It's brand new and leave us some feedback. In terms of webinars coming up, uh, guys, we have two actually today. So we're hosting an interactive Q&A webinar with uh, a guest we've had on the show on Forest FM actually before, uh, Salon 54 owner Emma Simmons. And we're going to be talking about building your brand for a post-Brexit success. So if you can join us today, I know it's very, very last minute, uh, you can join the conversation at 11 a.m. UK time. The link to sign up will be in this episode's notes. And another webinar that we're hosting today, uh, also kind of last minute, if you want us to join in, is Salon Success by Numbers, 19 KPIs and what you need to know about them. This is hosted by Salon Consultant at Salon Solutions Group, Carla Jones. Uh, she focuses her work around bringing clients customized marketing, branding, finance strategies. So we'll be talking about that on this hour long session. And Carla Jones' webinar is taking place at 12 p.m. EST or 9 a.m. PST. So if you want to sign up for that, it's also free. Uh, the link to join is in today's notes. Other than that, the Salon Owners Summit Roadshow is coming up in less than a month. It's taking place in Philly. We're bringing some of the greatest minds in the industry together. Uh, you're going to have a full day of education, networking, festivities. Uh, so we've announced a couple of speakers already. Ashley Tulver-Williams, Olivia Smalley, Jay Williams, who we've had on the show just recently, Josh Hafitz, Rachel Ringwood and Joe Gagliotti. And the best part of this event is that it's open to forest and non-forest clients. So if you're interested in coming over to Philly and joining us for this day, or your ticket price includes obviously access to all of these wonderful talks, actionable takeaways to implement in your salon, great networking opportunities, breakfast, lunch, coffee breaks. We'll keep you going all day. Don't worry about that. You're also going to have a champagne reception, an open bar with a, a few canapes and, and, and such. And you'll leave with a bag full of swag and educational materials to bring home with you. Next, the Salon Owner Summit flagship event in Dublin. This is taking place in January 2020. The theme for this year is to create a focused 2020 business vision and our latest presenter to join the lineup is Marcus Allen. And uh, if you don't know about Marcus, Marcus was the man behind the phenomenal growth of Urban Retreat in London. And it was possibly the largest single unit salon business in the world. 220 staff, 11,000 services a month and an annual turnover of 12.5 million pounds. In his time on stage at the Salon Owner Summit 2020, Marcus Allen will invite you to think like a startup. So another great talk to attend. We're very excited to have him on. 
And for this particular event, you can request a callback for early bird tickets. This is still ongoing, but it's ending soon, so don't miss out. And finally, we have the Salon Mentorship Hub, of course, which is a place to connect. Whatever you're struggling with in the salon, customer service, social media, finance, websites, brand, whatever it is, we've teamed up with industry coaches and consultants, and we actually have a new mentor joining the hub uh, as of about next week. We'll keep you posted. But yeah, you can book yourself in for a free 15 to 30 minute consultation on a topic of your choosing. You don't need to be a forest client to avail of this opportunity. All you need to do is to go to salonmentors.forest.com and fill out your details. And well, that's all we got for this week, guys. So as always, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or have any suggestions, send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We genuinely love feedback and are always looking for ways to improve the show. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.